Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. Uh, I'm your host again, Ian Lewins, one of the consultants here. And in this season finale Christmas festive special, I'm delighted to be joined all the way from Sydney uh, by Dr. Andy Tag. Hi, Andy. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Ian. Excellent. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Andy is one of the co-creators of the fantastic Don't Forget the Bubbles uh, website. And we've spoken to to Tessa, one of the co-creators, and it is the website that I recommend all my trainees and all my colleagues and myself to go and have a look at. So it's it's a real privilege to have you on, Andy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ian. Um, And of course, we're going to talk today about the recent paper that you've been involved in. Um, which has gone a bit viral, really, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that'd be one way of putting it, certainly. So, for those of you, for those people who're not aware of it, what was the what was the paper about, and, and who came up with this idea? So, the paper really was to look at transit time for small plastic objects. We know that coins are the most commonly ingested foreign bodies in children. And there's a lot of data from the 1980s about how long they take to pass. And I was researching a talk to give the Royal Children's in Melbourne and found out the second most commonly swallowed item were little bits of plastic toy. And I couldn't find any data at all. So I thought, hmm, what sort of plastic toys would children swallow? And I recalled swallowing at least three or four bits of Lego myself as a small child. And my mum looking through, you know, the contents of the toilet waiting for them to come out. So I thought, that would be a good idea for a paper. I wonder if I could convince anyone else to do it. And, and being paediatricians, of course you could. Exactly, you know, it's all for the, the greater good. That's how we decided. Okay, so it's, it's your fault, basically. Yeah, essentially. Okay, so how did you go about studying the transit time of a swallowed Lego head in paediatricians? Well, we actually tried to be pretty scientific about it. What we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we had a standardised idea of what our stool transit time or our bowel motions were before we swallowed that Lego head. So we all kept a stool diary for three days before ingestion, noticing number and consistency as a, using a uh, little Bristol stool chart we all had on our mobile phones. Yep. And then we all elected to, on a certain day, we would all swallow our Lego heads just after uh, breakfast. So there were three in the UK and three of us in Australia, all swallowed our Lego heads. We videoed ourselves doing it just to prove yes, I saw those. to each other more than anything else that we were doing it, rather than just you know palming it or cheeking it. And then uh, we essentially decided to, to have a look at our poos every single time they came out, waiting for that head to appear. And I bet that went down really well with partners and husbands and wives and those sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why uh, Ben didn't want to get involved because he was going to be on an aeroplane for most of the digestion. <laughs> Not a good move. Um, and I know a lot of uh, Grace was staying with her mum at the time, so I don't know what she, how she explained. She kept on nicking off to the, the toilet with a pair of chopsticks. Um, I didn't tell my wife what I was doing at the time. So, you know, I just taking the usual 10 minutes in the toilet she didn't seem to notice any difference right okay so, okay so what were your findings then that sounds very wrong saying it like that yeah so <laughs> what we wanted to do is obviously measure the average stool transit time to or the, the time to find and retrieve that lego head and 
the average time we, we calculated, and obviously there are only six of us involved, so small numbers, was 1.71 days. Um, that was skewed a little bit because one of our team never found their Lego head. Yes, this is Damien, who's... who's well, I wasn't going to say that. Everyone knows it was Damien. An eminent professor of paediatric research in the UK was unable to find his Lego head. Now, it doesn't mean it's still inside him, of course. Um, it means that he's just not very good at looking. <laughs> So some some yeah, insufficient his search strategy was obviously uh, not as well thought out as everyone else's. Yes. So when he dies, some poor pathologist is going to get a hell of a shock. Well, I think what I think what's more likely to happen is he's going to end a colonoscopy at sixty, and they're going to see this <laughs> Lego head sticking out of a diverticulum somewhere, just staring out at them. Yeah, smiling away. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so one point seven days. Does that give us sort of useful information then to tell to parents? I, I think the honest answer is no, not at all. You know, adults and children are very, very different in that children often have a much faster mm. transit time for food than than, kid, than grown-ups. Um, and certainly seeing the amount of speed that sweet corn comes out of my children, it seems to be a lot faster than 1.7 <laughs> days. I think it, it is worth thinking that, most, you know, Lego is an inert substance and doesn't seem to cause harm in adults that take it. And in the average five or six-year-old, I think it's unlikely to cause any major problems. Because this is something, you know, I, we, as you say, we, we see lots of kids who eat things and swallow things. And I've always taken the tack that, you know, as don't waste your time looking for these things because it's unlikely to cause any particular problems. And you must surely have better things to do with your life than sift through your child's feces. And I think as long as the parents are fully aware of what their child has swallowed, that's great. I think yeah. the challenge then comes is if they think, mm, was it, you know, 5, 10p or was it something else that they swallowed? And I think obviously then I would be much more mindful of actually doing some investigations. You know, child has got something silvery in their mouth and yeah. then swallows it. And if you don't know if it's a button battery or some or a coin, then you're going to ha- absolutely must investigate. Yeah. And in fact, our, our local guideline says that, you know, as as we've got certain investigations, if, if the you know the button battery hasn't passed, but it's, it's the one thing that our guideline says that we do advise parents to look for are the button batteries as they come out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really important to make sure they're found... It's really interesting, though, because there's all the, the studies on coins found that 80% of the coins were found when they were looked for, so 20% weren't, and when mm. the kids were x-rayed, those coins weren't present. So, again, I think it's really difficult. Parents have got to have a really good, hard, a proper hard look at if they're mm. trying to look for button batteries, if they have been swallowed. So, okay, so you, you, write, you do your research, you get your results, you write your paper... And where did you get? It got published in the Journal of Pediatrics and Child Health. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So we actually the original idea was to try and get published in the Christmas BMJ. Yeah. Because we know the, you know, after the amazing Peppa Pig paper of last year, we yes. thought, well, you know, it's got it's got to be some, some mileage in it, and we got rejected. But essentially, because they don't publish papers performed on healthy subjects, was the line they used. And then we submitted it a further three times to other journals and okay. got rejected in each time. But we thought, you know, we've gone through with all this. <laughs> yeah. trial, not trial doing this for nothing. We're not, we're not gonna, we knew we were onto something. And so 
uh, we took our last attempt. We uh, submitted to the Journal of Pediatrics and Child Health, and we got a great email back from uh, David Isaacs, who basically said, this is ridiculous. I'm going to publish it anyway. <laughs> so, and, you know, th there we didn't know anything more about it until a couple of weeks ago when it got the online edition got published. We sent a, Tesla and I sent a couple of tweets out, and then within 24 hours, everyone was knocking at our door. And it was, it went, it at, you know, it is probably, I would say, it's the most talked about paediatric paper of the year, realistically. It's interesting. So, obviously, from we can look at the back end of the old metrics. Yeah. And so, I can see that it's been, other than, you know, the usual sort of FOMED-type websites that puts a little bit out there, I sent a release to the University of Melbourne where I'm a honorary clinical lecturer. And their press office put out a press release and then it got picked up by the press. And so it's made it into pretty much every paper in the world within 24 hours. And because of that, every small newspaper in Australia had it made it into the New York Post. The big papers in Australia then travelled within the next 12 hours Back over, back over to England with the yeah. Daily Mail and the Metro and what have you, picking it up. And then within a couple of days, then it was all the local radio stations in Melbourne were, uh, you know, asking for interviews <laughs> for from us. So we did that. We did those, and then uh, sort of satirical current affairs news program in Melbourne started asking, asked me to go on. So I did that. Yeah. And, you know, I must have done like 10 interviews in one day. And then that night, someone was flicking on the TV in New York and they saw uh, Jimmy Fallon had mentioned our yep. paper in his opening monologue, which was quite a surprise. Obviously, it was a light news week for <laughs> the world. And I think that's one of the reasons why it took off in Melbourne, to be honest, is because we just had elections and everyone was pretty down on the whole thing. And there wasn't much else going on, so everyone was just wanted something else to talk about. And rather than politics, so and maybe that's why you know Brexit was obviously just too much for so many people. They thought yeah, a bit of Lego swallowing fun wouldn't do anyone any harm. But it really was incredible how widely this went, and as you say, you know, appearing on the the late night show with James Corden and all those sorts of things, and that must have been a, a you know a slightly surreal experience to think. Oh, very much so. I mean, my parents who are non medical. You know, don't obviously read medical journals, but they watch TV and read the newspaper. And to see their son mentioned as a researcher from Melbourne, obviously they know that's not what I really am. Um, it was amazing, to be honest, although I have to you know it's quite hard to explain to them what, what I was really doing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a very surreal experience, and it's given me a lot to talk about uh, whenever I've been having chats with medical students or doing job interview stuff over the last few days. Yeah. Or writing end of year reports for people. It's, uh, yeah, it's given me a lot, a lot of uh, mileage, shall we say? Absolutely. But obviously, you know, now I've done it, I've got to be very careful that I don't become known as that bloke who swallowed a Lego head for science. Well, that, that is, of course, is the danger that, that, that the six of you that that's going to be your most notable achievement in your careers, isn't it? Uh, but it will. To be <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things that you know we are. We're certainly never going to forget, and most yeah. of our friends and family won't let us forget it either. Um, but, you know, it's also been quite a good way in for just talking to a lot of other researchers. 
doing nor who are doing normal research, you know, at least they've heard of us now. So and it's really increased the the sort of don't forget the bubbles audience yep. beyond just the standard sort of emergency physicians and pediatricians that have heard of us. It's got the name out to a lot more people, which is wonderful as far as we're concerned. And I guess it sort of demonstrates the power of social media as well as the media in, in you know, what, what um, Ken Mill talks about a lot is, is knowledge translation. And it shows the power of, of yeah. Twitter, for example. Absolutely. And I think really without the sending out a few uh, well-written tweets, it certainly wouldn't have gone as far as it did. And what's fascinating is I can see that, you know, we're looking at the alt metrics, so that's, you know, basically a publisher's idea of not citations, but the number of times the paper has been mentioned in various media, so whether that's on Reddit, Facebook, standard news news channels, that sort of things. And we can see that of the 12 million uh, papers that the alt metrics cover, we're currently tracking at sort of number 350. <laughs> Which is incredible. Which is, well, considering it's only been 10 days, yeah. I, I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, but it also makes you wonder then how useful our metrics are for actual yeah. valid science. You know, I mean, Damien put it really, really well that, you know, this is unlikely to be one of those papers that has huge numbers of citations unless we cite it ourselves in another paper in the future. Uh, but the old metric scores are through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I did notice that there was a bit of a little bit of sniffiness maybe on twitter about it so you know this isn't proper science and they're very small numbers but it wasn't intended to be that way was it really no i, I think you know if we were trying to do this as serious science i think it would have been very hard to get through the ethics committee for a start trying to find a randomized you know if we wanted to make this serious science we'd have to use children yep. rather than adults now we need a much larger sample size than just the six of us. But this was never intended to be that. This was entirely intended to be a, a tongue-in-cheek article, really trying to actually raise a little bit of awareness of, of some issues. And I think the, to think that this was ever, to read this as a heavy serious science and put a evidence-based medicine spin on yeah. it, I think you'd kind of miss the point a little bit. Yeah, I would completely agree. And I've, I've recently seen on Twitter that the, the Lego heads have been made into key rings for the um, <laughs> participants. Actually, please, please tell me they're not the. the oh, thank God. I, have to, I must, must point out that I think most of, I, I really hope no one's kept their Lego head. I really hope they haven't. Um, no, these are very much shop-bought fresh ones that have been given out to people. <laughs> that, that's, that's really reassuring from a health and safety point of view. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, what's next then? <laughs> Have you got anything else lined up? So, so is it one of the, the best things about working with the Don't Forget Bubbles team is that we've always got ideas on the go. So, we've always got one or two papers that we're writing, and most of the time they're, they're serious uh, things. So, you know, we've got a uh, a couple that are in submission at the moment that will hopefully get published in the new year. Um, I don't think this is the sort of thing we're ever going to be able to replicate, and we shouldn't really try to, to be honest. Mm. So now, after the sort of Christmas break, we're mainly going to be focusing on finishing up a couple more papers that we've been asked to do, and then full steam ahead, ready for the conference next year. Okay, and for those, again, not aware, that's the Don't Forget the Bubbles is coming to London, which I think a lot of people in the UK are very, very happy about. Yeah, so is my wife, so we can go and visit the family at the same time, <laughs> so that's, that's quite nice. Excellent. 
So, well, thank you, Andy. I really appreciate that for, for taking some time. And uh, I was going to ask Father Christmas for some Lego, but I think I might just give it a miss this year. I'm really worried about what I'm going to get at Christmas. <laughs> I, 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 it's one of the one of the challenges is not is to be not explain to my children when they saw me on TV what I was actually doing there because I don't want them to copy yeah. my uh, ideas and start swallowing Lego Lego heads. It's like when you go to work and my ch- I don't know if it's the same with with your lot, but they ask you what you've done and what you've seen at work today. So I never tell them that I've taken something out of someone's nose yeah. or someone's ear because I know that. For them, yeah, they're quite young. It's not a thing, a concept they've even thought about. So I don't really want to introduce the idea. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Andy. We really appreciate it, and uh, I wish you and your family a very merry Christmas. Thanks, Ian. Take care. Okay. Thank you.